Adib, welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Lucas. Absolute pleasure. You're most welcome. Look, um, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, for the benefit of the audience, um, Adib leads revenue operations at Flock, which is an insure tech, and we'll be diving into that today. But why don't you start off with a little bit of an introduction into yourself and what you were doing before Flock? Yeah, so I'm uh, Sri Lankan, um, grew up in Canada, moved to London in 2017, um, I've got a SaaS background, yes. so I started my career at uh, a company named MuleSoft, um, where I PO'd, got acquired by Salesforce, scaled that, um, and then I joined Flock in 2021 20, uh, as we started in the motor industry. Excellent, excellent. And look, I, I, I think MuleSoft was one of the first like, really big um, companies that was very API-driven. Mm. Um, I know that you know when we spoke about it when you were there, you were helping companies to connect um, fragmented sources of data, if I remember correctly. That is correct, yeah. Um, MuleSoft's mission was, uh, and is, to connect the world's data devices and applications using APIs. Um, and it's a, it's a really cool backstory, um, growing from an open source project into probably the leading integration company in the world. Yeah, yeah, indeed. No, it's fantastic. And I, I think it really flows well into, you know, you joining Flock um, because I, and I'm not going to introduce it for you. I'll, I'll leave the, uh, you know, let's say the, um, the, the road for you to do that. But um, I think there are a lot of similarities when it comes to how Flock uses data and helps companies get more out of their data. But I'll, I'll hand over back to you to introduce Flock. Yeah, there, there are certainly parallels. So um, at Flock, we're a data-driven insurer. Um, so what we do is, in the commercial motor space, we use real-time data from vehicles to be able to, firstly, price risk, mm -hmm. secondly, understand driver habits and help fleets reduce the risk they're taking on the roads, um, and then finally, and most importantly, incentivize safer driving on a mission to make the world a uh, quantifiably safer place. Fantastic, fantastic. And there's sort of the gathering of data within, um, let's say, the motor vehicle industry. Is that referred to as telematics? That is correct. Telematics is um, the method in which data is captured and then communicated over the air um, yes. to a variety of third parties. Fantastic, fantastic. That's great. So in terms of telematics, are you able to talk us through the process of you know, let's say that Lucas um, has a trucking company. Um, uh, what what does the process look like from me purchasing a truck um, to then me purchasing insurance and then being able to see this data in real time in play? Mm. Yeah, really good question, Lucas. I think um, if you if you're to segment it, there's probably three categories you could put Lucas trucking um, into. Firstly, is your trucking business. You have your standard policy, no real data around um, your business. Mm -hmm. So telematics would come in and give you insights into how your fleet is performing mm -hmm. um, and then be able to add value-added services like insurance on top of it. Yes. Maybe the second world is where Lucas Trucking has telematics devices and you're using it for fleet management. Yeah. So to understand how your vehicles are being utilized, um, maybe track your carbon emissions or your fuel usage, driver habits, um, yes. driver schedules, for example. Um, and then the third is probably where the world's moving towards, where fleets are, like Lucas Trucking, have telematics. Yes. They're util utilizing this data for internal purposes. And now they're utilizing it and tapping into these ecosystems out there where insurance could be one part 
of another value-added service because yeah. you've got this data on how your business performs and it allows these peripheral businesses to use that to help you um, kind of incentivize or monetize um, that data for yourself. Fantastic, fantastic. I love it because, uh, you know, I, I suppose before, you know, we sat down and started speaking about Flock in, in previous conversations and, and today, um, you know, I thought, all right, the commercial incentive for um, a trucking company would be I can reduce my risk premiums um, because I'm providing data that the insurance company can use. But actually diving into telematics, there's a lot more there. There's, you know, let's say the commercial um, uh, utilization of um, uh, a truck uh, in terms of, you know, how um, yeah, how much money it's burning on fuel and such, um, how efficient the truck is. And then, you know, the operational aspects measuring let's say drivers by their behavior mm -hmm. um and being data led when you when you're providing feedback to them and then you know the third point is you know all about uh reducing premiums um because i suppose y you would expect those trucking companies to incentivize better driving behavior and have that translate into safer uh operations yeah exactly i think you laid it out really well there where I think insurance and telematics is still in its infancy. Yeah. Um, but the core value is making sure your vehicles are maintained properly. Yes. Understanding utilization, et cetera. Um, but as you collect that data, you now have the ability to start driving more incentivization and helping figure out how you can optimize your business um, further. We know the world has been in a data collection kind of spree over the past 20 years or so. Yes. Um, we're now starting to figure out how we can start monetizing it on the on the periphery. Yes. And like you mentioned, getting money back on your insurance or having a more f a fairer price on your insurance yes. can be one of those monetization strategies that the businesses use. Yeah, fantastic. So let's dive dive into Flock a little bit deeper. Um, uh, how does Flock distribute Let's say the insurance um, to um, the uh, uh, to the end clients uh, or the end users because I think it's quite a complex sort of journey. Yeah, great point, Lucas. We've we've got three primary distribution models. Uh, firstly, is through introducers, mm -hmm. so that would be either a referral or one of our telematics partners referring one of their customers. Yes. The second is direct. Primarily, this is inbound at the moment, so it's large, complex fleets yeah. looking for a new or innovative solution and then mm -hmm. coming to Flock themselves. Yes. Um, and thirdly, which is where we're currently focused on, is our broker distributed model. Um, and this is working with brokers across the nation um, to help sell our policies on our behalf. Yep, fantastic. And I, I wanna dive into that third one, the broker um, mm. model, because I love complexity and I think the more problems you can solve in complex um, uh, environments, um, you know, the, the more you're able to create a real sticky solution. So let's say that Lucas Trucks goes to a broker, um, asks for, uh, you know, a particular policy. Um, Flock's policy is um, provided. But um, in order for Flock to have a policy, are you working with different underwriters? Um, uh, so are there, are there sort of four stakeholders in the distribution chain? Yeah, you, you nailed it on the head there. So if you think about our value chain, um, you have the end clients who work mm. with brokers to go collect um, a number of different quotes on the market to understand where the most competitive solution for them is. Yes. The brokers would work with a number of different insurers, Flock being one. Mm -hmm. And then on a Flock side, we're an MGA. 
What that means is we're managing general insurer. We mm -hmm. write policies on behalf of larger insurers. Yes. So we would have a panel of insurers, um, some of the largest in the UK that we work with, yeah. um, and we write policies on their behalf. So if you think about that value stack, we have a large insurer, then we have Flock, then we have a broker, and then we have the end client. Yes. And all of this is value added at each level yeah. um, to provide more um, value to the end customer. Fantastic. And how, you know, when these when these brokers have numerous different options in front of them, how do you ensure that, you know, they're, they're able to take notice of Flock and its policies? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And it's, it's probably one of the most challenging ones when you mm. talk about this um, complexity of our distribution model, because we're an innovative solution. We're using data, um, unlike a lot of other insurers out there. Yeah. But at the same point, that complexity doesn't translate to a easy sell for our brokers. Yes. So this is this constant weighing we have to do as part of our sales cycle, which is how do we meet the customer where they are, sell them something familiar, fleet insurance, mm. price it very similar to the rest of the market so the customer has the transparency to compare prices. Yes. And then on top of that, we need to really educate and incentivize our brokers to understand how on top of that core product, Flock adds value. Yes. And then have the broker sell that value to the customer on our behalf. Yeah. So we're oh, tweaking yeah. and changing. We're constantly learning and getting feedback from clients and brokers on what we can do better to uh, to convey that value. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think it's all about keeping it simple, right? Yeah. Meet the customer where they are, give them value in what they already know, mm -hmm. and then reframe them to see kind of what else is possible once they start leveraging uh, the value of connected vehicle data. Excellent, excellent. And when it comes to the, let's say the UK market um, at the moment, what sort of percentage of um, you know, the motor industry would use telematics? That's a good question. I don't have the latest stats um, on that, but we do know it's, it's picking up quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, if we take a look at the UK commercial motor market, roughly 20% of it are EVs. Yes. What we know about EVs is they are um, effectively much more advanced vehicles and they yes. have um, to inbuilt tele telemetry to a certain level, for example. So market segment in terms of um, telematics, not sure yet, yeah. uh, but we do know it's a growing uh, and very fast growing segment. Fantastic. And just to clarify, or just to make sure, um, uh, I'm sure about it, EV is electric vehicles. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see Teslas everywhere. And, uh, you know, when I've been in them, they feel like spaceships. Eh? They're incredible. Um, but um, I think a lot of us don't see the commercial vehicles as well. Mm. Um, mm. There are a number of different manufacturers, specifically coming out of China, like Maxis, yes. who are doing some really incredible things Far out. Um, on yeah. the on the EV side for the, the light haulage or even the vans yes. yeah. that are being driven on the road, yeah. Fantastic, that's excellent. Yeah. When Flock um, was founded, um, you know, what were the, let's say, the main pain points that they were trying to address and, you know, how effectively do you think they have addressed them? Yeah, great question, Lucas. This this takes it back. So, um, Flock was initially founded through an ac uh, academic project yes. um, back in 2015. Fantastic. Um, and the business started off as a commercial drone insurer. Wow. The yeah. problem um, our founders, Ed and Anton, were looking to solve was the fact that the insurance market lacked transparency. Mm. Um, and what they were looking to do is quantify drone flight paths yes. and f flight habits um, so that customers had transparency into what was actually driving up their insurance cost. Yes, wow. 
we've been through a bit of a journey since we became we were the largest drone insurer in the UK yeah. up until the exit in 2021 when we pivoted to yes. focus on the commercial motor space mm -hmm. uh, but those foundational principles are still carried through with the business yeah. which is help customers or clients understand their data mm -hmm. and understand the risk that they're taking on the road and yeah. then be able to incentivize safer driving yes. so that customers can have the fairness in terms of re recouping some of that cost um, as a reward for taking the right behaviors. Indeed, indeed, fantastic. And so look, I mean, let's dive into what you're doing now um, because I think revenue operations is a term that gets thrown around, mm -hmm. but it means different things in different industries. So tell us a bit about your role and you know what, what your day-to-day -day is like. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been on a, a little bit of a learning journey on this as well. <laughs> I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. I think revenue operations um, takes different forms for different companies. Mm. Uh, and it really is about where you are in your in your life cycle and what's needed yeah. um, in the business. So at Flock, revenue operations covers the key principles, I think, of most revenue operations, um, which is um, people, process, and data. Yeah. Uh, so from a people perspective, it's really important for us to understand how we become a very effective commercial organization yes. while also having very strong underwriting principles, like mm -hmm. a commercial motor insurer. So from that uh, aspect, there is this enablement and onboarding angle to make sure we're using data very effectively to understand uh, performance and then be able to coach on how our team members can up-level themselves. Yes. On the process front, making sure we're really streamlined and effective as a business to ensure that we're consistently reducing our cost to acquire a customer mm. and we're building technology internally to help streamline the process and yeah. give our customers a really smooth onboarding journey as, that, as we quote and then onboard them on the product. Yes. And then finally, data can't get enough of it, but we know as a scaling organization, data is always a constantly constant challenge. Yes. We have a number of different platforms. We can receive data in unstructured formats and making sure we have a cohesive understanding of our revenue data also becomes a core part. So the way I would summarize all of that, I think uh, revenue operations at Flock is to make sure all of our, is to bring together all of our revenue for facing teams yeah. uh, and ensuring uh, we're all well aligned to deliver on our company OKRs. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a very concise summary of a very complex uh, piece of work. So well done there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the, I think the more and more I've looked at revenue operations, the more and more I see it as like a conductor of sorts, mm. helping make sure that every team which has its own objectives and KPIs that yes. they need to focus on is simultaneously thinking about what the organization as a whole needs yeah. and ensure that there is that uniformity towards what everyone is driving towards. Yes, indeed, indeed. Fantastic. Um, and so, look, in terms of, um, uh, you know, scaling, you've had the experience both at MuleSoft in terms of pre-IPO and now again at Flock, um, you know, from, and I'm going to ask both from a sales and a RevOps perspective, what do you think the most important things are um, or key success factors when it comes to scaling? Yeah, really interesting question, Lucas. Um, I'd say scaling starts with having the right people on the bus. Yeah, You need to have the right skill set and the right aptitude to deal with the change that comes at, with scale. Yes. I think second, you need to be very adaptable. Don't be afraid to move fast. Yeah. But also break things down as and when you um, validate that it's not working. Mm. So be ready to pivot. Yes. Um, and then thirdly, have a constant baseline of what your measures are. 
mm-hmm. unless your measures are consistent, it's really hard to understand what impact you're having and if the impact is driving the right outcomes. Yes. So those three, having the right people, making sure you move fast yes. and pivot when things don't work out. And then finally, staying true to your data and making sure that th- you're able to tell a story of what you're doing and how that's impacting the outcomes that you need. Indeed, yeah. I think the data piece is super, super important because uh, if you don't track, then you kind of are just, you know, swimming in, swimming in the yeah. deep. And to be honest, from personal experience, like I can, I can tell you how, how much of a trap data can be. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a perfect balance that you need to hit. When you're moving fast, it's really hard to have the right discipline to collect and analyze data. Yeah, yeah. Because there's always something else to do and data does take quite a bit of time to figure out. Yes. And then secondary to that, um, I think you can overdo it with data as well. Mm. And this is a trap I see a lot of organizations getting to. Collecting data is expensive. It takes a lot of resource. Mm. Um, and being able to understand what the most important data is, fixate on that, create buy-in across the organization, and then move forward. Yeah. That, I think, is a key balance and skill that is uh, something that's hard to get right the first time. Yes, yeah, yeah, indeed. Because otherwise, you know, people are just talking about noise. Uh, mm. You know, there, there are a lot of data metrics out there which are, are kind of vanity metrics or, you know, they don't they don't mean a great deal. And I'll give an example with like the podcast, for example. Um, you know, should you track like impressions on LinkedIn, right? Or should you track the number of posts you do on LinkedIn? I guess you're able to get a lot of impressions, but they might not necessarily be from the geography that you want or the audience that you want. Um, whereas, uh, you know, if you just post once, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're hitting the wrong audience, you know, should you just give yourself three chances to hit the right audience, even if that audience is a smaller one, at least you're hitting the right one and you're hitting it multiple times. Um, but, you know, some people are just obsessed with, you know, I want the impressions, I mm. want the impressions, I want the likes, but that doesn't necessarily translate into good outcomes. That's true. I guess the question comes, like, do you, are you sure what your outcome is first? before you start thinking about the metrics and data. Yeah, yeah. Right? That, that is sometimes a chicken and egg situation you can fall into when you're scaling as well. Yes, Which yeah. is the data tells you one thing, and then you move forward with it. Mm. But it often takes, a time, uh, takes some time to step back and realize, like, am I, has my outcome changed? Yeah. What other variables are important here, and, and are we working towards our North Star? Yes. And if not, I think it, ta- it, it calls to rethinking your metrics and data again. Yes. Um, because they can be misleading and can, could lead you down, down the wrong path. Yeah, that's right. No, that's a, a very good point. And just, yeah, always important to step back and see it, you know, look at it within the bigger picture. Yeah, which again, like we're talking about scaling, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Because as a fast-growing startup, you're always in this go, go, go mentality. Mm. Um, and it does become quite difficult to detach from the day-to-day Yes. and take a look at the bigger picture. But I guess that that's part of the skill yeah. um, that you acquire as you kind of learn from mistakes that that, that happen along the line. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, fantastic. Um, uh, you know, scale is super important and making sure that data is used effectively as companies scale is a massive challenge. Um, so let's loop back to Flock because essentially the business model is you know, built around telematic data. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are, are you able just to, to recap really how Flock's using 
telematic data um, to drive its business model? Yeah, great question. Um, quite simply, I think there's three three areas where we use telemetry um, and how that impacts what we do and differentiates us from the rest of the market. Yeah. Um, so firstly, is on customer acquisition. Um, telematics play a central part in helping us understand how a fleet has previously performed, yeah. if the data is available, or we provide telematics data devices to our clients or prospective clients to help them go on this journey with us. Yes. So that's the onboarding piece, helping get vehicles connected upfront. Mm-hmm. Second is throughout the lifetime of the policy, using mm. the data into our risk engine um, yes. to generate insights uh, for fleets to help them understand where their risk is being taken on the road yeah, and then offer advice on how that can be mitigated into the future. Fantastic. And lastly, um, reward. Reward for Flock is on two parts. Firstly is safer fleets pay less. Mm-hmm. So we incentivize safer driving and fleets are able to show that they've improved their safety score throughout the lifetime of their policy. Yes. We provide uh, a portion of their, re- uh, of their premium back as a rebate. Mm-hmm. But secondly... Um, it allows our underwriting team to make more um, informed decisions on how we price renewal based on prior driving. Yes. And what this incentivizes or provides us is this feedback loop mm-hmm. where we start fl- spinning a flywheel where we, the more we understand about a customer, mm. the more we can start rewarding them and the more accurate our pricing can be. Yes. So yeah. it's bundled in transparency and fairness as and when we get more and more data about our fleets. Fantastic, I love it. Uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, the data unlocks lower insurance premiums. It, you know, it also gives back to the companies as we discussed earlier on in the podcast when it comes to understanding what trucks um, uh, or, you know, what vehicles use the most um, fuel, um, what drivers within the company um uh, might have the best or the worst behavior. Um, and, uh, yeah, just tying that back into, you know, really good outcomes for society in the sense of, you know, less traffic incidents, I think is super important. Yeah. So we starting, we start, we end, we have the outcome of our end mission and goal. Yeah. Um, and then we work backwards and there's a lot of different value that can be realized for fleets of different sizes. I think it Mm. really is important to understand that the fleet market is massive. Excellent. And look, when it comes to telematics, I, I, I think I've made a sort of a, um, uh, not a mistake, but I keep referring to trucks. I've referred to trucks a whole podcast, but what what types of clients do you serve? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, the reason people fall back on trucks most often is because they're probably the most connected vehicles out there if you think especially the heavy goods vehicles out there the hgvs yeah they're massive 44 tonners a lot can go wrong they're carrying high high value cargo items as mm, well mm. so telematics is a very worthy investment for them yes um, but at flock we actually don't do hgvs yet oh wow we're actually focused on four key markets today yes um firstly and most popular courier yeah so this would be the couriers who are coming to houses delivering packages parcels etc wow yeah second is self-drive hire Mm-hmm. Um, this can be the day-to-day rentals, and it can also mean the subscription um, and self uh, salary sacrifice. These some of the new innovative type business models out there. Yeah, nice. Third is trades, mm-hmm. um, and th- trades can encompass anything from a plumber, electrician, um, to an estate agent. Yeah, as wow. an example. Um, and lastly, our newest segment is wholesale food distribution. Okay. So these are those refrigerated trucks, for example, that are taking lo- 
food items yes through store through to stores often yeah. navigating inside of busy cities and country roads fantastic yeah and it's really interesting that i i guess for every segment that you've mentioned um you know all of those um stakeholders are in a way incentivized to do their jobs quickly and mm -hmm. so i'm sure that there'd be a lot of data that comes out you know i mean careers who have you know x amount of packages and x amount of hours to to get it delivered um you know maybe the 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 fleet cars or you know the salary sacrifice people it's more about their their normal driving habits but certainly the um uh, food delivery companies as well you know they need to get things uh, uh to their um uh, clients quickly um and so you know they they can i suppose rely on not the best driving habits in order to achieve it and so this is a great way to disincentivize that yeah it's a, it's a good point you made actually because we have two broad segments if you, mm. if you think about it at the highest level you have really advanced fleets yeah. with large operations large uh, a high number of vehicles mm. um, that have invested in telematics they have fleet managers and they're now looking for more value out of their data yeah and on the exact opposite segment uh, you have fleets with 10 to 15 vehicles they're not very advanced. Yeah. The operators or the fleet managers are so busy on their day to day that they haven't really looked at a solution like this. Yes. And we're able yeah. to give them a little bit more value without as much overhead um, managing their fleet. Yeah. So you see that that in our customer, when you look at our customer pools, we're serving two very large but very distinct markets. Indeed. Um, and helping each of them make value of their data. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, I guess I'd kind of summarize it as, you know, helping democratize access to telematics and providing, you know, an incentive to do so for fleets that may not be data-driven and then, you know, helping data-driven fleets to go to the next level when it comes to how data-driven they are. That's it, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think dem democratizing is a really key part of what we do at Flock. Um, we've seen some other insure techs out there um, mm. have agreements with certain telematics providers, for example, yeah. as they go route to market. One of our core principles is the fact that we want to be as agnostic as possible. Nice. Um, yeah. So what that means is fleet can bring their own device and we will try our best um, to connect yeah. um, into those devices because if you if you look at the, the spectrum out there, there's a broad range of telematics devices on the market today, yeah. um, which offering customers the choice can make uh, it a lot more compelling um, from their part to have the freedom to choose a provider that they want to. Indeed. And then Flock takes on the responsibility of working with that telematics provider. Yeah, and that ties in really well about what you said before when it comes to just doing what's best for the customer. Mm. So, Meeting, yeah, that's actually yeah. a core MuleSoft philosophy yeah, that I yeah. think we've, that, that I take with me, which is you can sell as complex of a solution as possible but if the customer doesn't understand the problem you're solving for them yeah they're never really going to engage yes. as part of that sales cycle yeah indeed indeed that's right and you know any any company that sells um, products that don't truly solve a problem then they're always going to experience churn particularly at a time like now where uh you know the economy is is just going through an uncertain time that's a yeah that's a good way to think about it right if yeah. you manufacture a pain you might be able to sell it. Yes. But you're probably going to churn yeah. as the customer doesn't realize that full value throughout the use of your product. Indeed, indeed. Look, 
Adeev, we've covered a lot today, um, but uh, I want to hand over to you for, let's say, three key takeaways that you'd give to founders and operators. Yeah, great, great question, Lucas. And I think we've talked about it in a number of different areas, so maybe I'll summarize it here. Um, firstly is hiring great people. Mm. Like people are the backbone of any growing business. Yes. Um, and when we talk about hiring, I think oftentimes we over-index on skill mm. and under-index on aptitudes. Mm-hmm. So for me, the way I view hiring um, is that change is probably one of the most constant things mm. in a small growing business. Yes. And as that happens, you need people who are going to be on that journey with you. Yeah. So making sure that you have that grit, growth mindset as mm. part of a core set of values from your candidates yes. is really important. Secondly, is invest framing what you're trying to achieve mm-hmm. and then investing in the infrastructure to have that data and report on it yeah. to ensure that you're constantly collab- uh, calibrating where you're heading. Yes. And if what you're doing is working is fundamentally important. Um, and thirdly, we talked about scale quite a bit. Yes. And I think sometimes we conflate hiring with scaling. Mm-hmm. Um, but scaling fundamentally implies you're adding more people or more customers to the business and your unit economics or your efficiency metrics are improving as well. Yeah, indeed. Otherwise, you're just spending more money and you're growing in a very linear fashion, yeah. which isn't very conductive in today's market environments, as an example. Yeah, so absolutely. those would be my my three key things. Like think about the total package in terms of hiring. Two is figure out your North Star and then figure out the metrics and constantly manage and measure those metrics. Mm. Um, And then lastly, when you're thinking about hiring and expanding, ensure that you're being more efficient with your spend for each new hire um, to ensure that you scale in the right manner, I guess. Yeah, that's it. No, I I love that, um, uh, that final point in particular. And it goes back to something a, a, another person on the podcast said they've got a consulting business and the way they summed it up was you don't want to just hire people to fill seats and deliver work and you know you've you've framed it perfectly that each hire has to provide an incremental um, gain otherwise the unit economics will never improve that's true yeah and it can be a individual gain for themselves mm. or it could be bar raises across the team yeah. Right. Yeah. Constantly scanning your team and understand where your gaps are. Yes. And looking to fill that gap with a new hire mm. can be a really effective tool of just raising the bar across the organization. Indeed. Indeed. Look, Adib, thank you so much uh, for your time today. It's been fantastic. Well, it's and been great. Uh, we're looking forward to continue to watch Flock uh, fly. I love the pun there. <laughs> keeping that in. Cheers, Lucas. Thank you, Adib. Cheers.